Hi, I'm Stacey Schumacher-Rowan, Editor-in-Chief of Hospitality Design Magazine, with HD's What I've Learned podcast. Kelly Cerner was a creative kid growing up in Kansas City, Missouri, born into a family of painters, musicians, and designers for Hallmark. After pinpointing her passion for interiors, after a brief stint in another field and spending a decade at Duncan Miller, Cerner sent out on her own. Her multifaceted firm, Studio 11 Design, does branding, interiors, and art development, working with some of the biggest names in the business. No matter the scope, Cerna says, one of her greatest joys is finding ways her projects can give back to the community they're in. Hi, I'm here joined with Kelly. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course. So we always start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri. And were you always a creative kid? Did you have a love for design early on? Always a creative kid. I think I love design, but just didn't know it. I didn't put two and two together, unfortunately, until after my first degree. <laughs> so, um, but um, as a kid, you know, just a lot like a lot of us designers, rearranging our rooms or um, making our my own arts and crafts and like creating things to kind of decorate my room. In college, in the sortie house, I was the one that was in charge of um, you know, the room themes and painting and all the decor. So, um, I should have put it together sooner than later, but, but here we are. <laughs> Better late than never. Yes. Um, was your, were either of your parents or anyone in your family an influence or where you grew up, the setting an influence at all? Well, Kansas city in general is, um, has a huge art community. Um, and a lot of my family members on my mom's side are artists. So, um, I have, have aunts that were artists for Hallmark, um, painters. We have a lot of musicians in the family. So yeah, it definitely runs in the family, not specifically design, but interior design, but um, artists in general. And did you travel a lot growing up at all? No, we were in Kansas. Everything was, everything, <laughs> everything everything was, was via wood paneled books. I mean, uh, what do you call it? What did you call those? The, um, oh, not Volkswagen, but. Yes. Um, the like family tester? Yeah, pretty much. Of four of us in the backseat. Um, anything that was a road trip was was our travel. So, yes, not a lot of world travels as a kid. Any good road trips that you remember? Oh, we loved Branson, Missouri. Like, uh, so Silver Dollar City, Lake of the Ozarks. That was like the big ones. Um, and then my my dad had a lot of work in Omaha. Um, so not super sexy, but I used to love like kind of road trips with him. I'm in the middle of five kids. So kind of getting that one-on-one -on -one time with him, even though it was to Omaha and hanging out in the car during his meetings, which I'm pretty sure is illegal now. <laughs> those, were, those were the, um, you know, I just remember that a lot. So great memories. So you said that um, you didn't realize you love design or that this should be your calling until after your first job. So what did you go to school for? And what was your first career? So I uh, went to school for international business and Spanish double major. So um, lived in Spain, just for a couple of months, two different stints. Um, I always had a love for other languages. So Spanish um, was, you know, even in high school, I loved it, you know, learned all the words and then kind of learned how to put everything together when I lived in Spain, and came back uh, worked through my first degree and then went back um, the second time until I ran out of all my internship money and um, but was fluent in Spanish. I'd like to say it comes back after I've been in a Spanish speaking country for a day or two. 
but um, then went and interned for an Italian um, tech company and realized almost immediately I was not going to be successful in that realm. So went back to my parents and again, you know, remembering I'm the middle of five kids, they were super excited to have me out of school. Um, <laughs> went back and broke it to my dad um, via a PowerPoint presentation that I needed to go back four more years for interior design school. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of how that started. Wait, I love that you made a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. What, did the, what did the presentation say or do? I don't know. It's probably on a floppy disk somewhere. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I basically went back and just said, this is really where I, and I don't know what triggered it. I don't know if it, I know that, you know, Spain was my first time out of the country at 18 years old, had a one-way ticket and went by myself. And it really changed everything for me. It changed my perspective on life. And I continued with the degree um, with my, you know, business and Spanish degree. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. My dad felt I was going to be good at business, which he wasn't wrong. Obviously, it's come full circle and came in handy. But um, it was the second time in Spain where I just, you know, all the beautiful architecture and design and all those things, it just triggered, you know, triggered something. And I knew that's where I needed to be. Yeah. And so where did you pick to go to school? I went to the university of North Texas. So, um, I'd already kind of done the fun college thing and sorty things. So this was, you know, your second time around isn't as, isn't as crazy. Um, so I had a, a full-time job at a, um, a large furniture store because they didn't offer internships. And then, um, yeah, I went to school at North Texas, it's a fighter accredited school. And, um, and was fairly close. So it was nice. It was good. Did those four years cement that, you know, this was the right career path for you? And after school, what did you end up doing? Where did you go? And what was your first job? For sure cemented. I mean, I would be up till four or five in the morning. I think the the OCD and perfectionist in me kind of came out. Um, and, you know, in design, we struggle with this as designers to this day. There's no stopping point you kind of continue to develop and develop and I, I realized I had a huge passion for it um, and then I got out of design school 2004 and there was it was a recession again and um, we've survived a couple now but um, there were no interior design jobs and so I went that's when I went to um, was still interning for this furniture store became the um, buyer for art and accessories and then it, they, you know, lighting, and then they kept letting go of people above me. So my internship turned into me buying the art and accessories and lighting and rugs and other things for this um, large furniture retailer in Dallas. And then I attended an NEWH event and wasn't sure even what realm of design I was going to go into. And I'm so lucky. I feel so blessed that I fell into hospitality and, and got a job um, with Duncan Miller and, um, was there not quite a decade, but, um, got a job there and have never looked back. Have no, I know this is where definitely where I'm supposed to be. What were your major takeaways from working at Duncan Miller? Um, you know, I had a great, the great opportunity with Kimberly to work on both the design and the business side. And so, um, starting off as a designer and then, um, Kimberly realized I was also kind of strong in relationships, threw me into a lodging conference. And I remember being in the backseat 
of the car. I called him mom and dad. It was with Kimberly and Turner and, and um, was terrified because I had figured out how much this lodging ticket had cost. And um, so I just kind of remember being just like, you know, how am I going to meet people and, um, and just kind of walked around, went to a few of the um, different, uh, what am I, what do they say? It's the panels, went to a few different panels and just stayed after and met everybody and started to gather contacts. And I loved that side of the business. I, I was Googling how to write a press release and started to put together our marketing materials and, you know, all the, all the side of the business that they really don't teach you in interior design school. So I was afforded that opportunity, which I think helped tremendously. And why did you decide to launch your own firm? It's not an easy undertaking. And what gave you the strength or the, you know, the, the want to take that, take that leap of faith? So I realized, I think as much as I love design, um, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, and I didn't even realize at the time. So I left Duncan Miller. I mean, I loved my, my opportunity there, but took a break to kind of be with my family. Um, my, the boys were one in three. Um, they were so little. And um, I just kind of felt like I was losing time with them, getting home so late that I was missing them going to bed. And I knew that I wanted to do something different, but wasn't sure what. And so I took a, just a, a little hiatus that didn't last long. Um, one of my still closest friends in the industry introduced me to Stacy. Um, and we had a, there was a couple of other opportunities, another partnership opportunity and some different rep opportunities, but this one seemed to be a good fit. If you had told me three months before I would be starting my own firm, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, but the pieces with Stacey seemed to fit. We wanted to do kind of very opposite and things and, um, and thought, well, this will be great. And if it doesn't work, I'll just, you know, go do, go back to working for another firm. So, um, that started studio 11. And so you're talking about Stacey Allison, not me. <laughs> the other Stacey. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, you're integral to Stacey. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you met Stacey Allison. Um, and what year is this? And what is the name? And what, is, what did the name Studio 11 mean? And, and then at the same time, sorry to layer on, what kind of practice were you guys hoping to create? So, um, well, I'll start with, it was the year 2011. So you can probably gather how creative we were about the name, <laughs> but you know, we were, we realized how different we were immediately because I'm, you know, wanting to be like edgy and cool and like with whatever, you know, my design names were like, you know, not rock and roll design, but like super sexy. And I remember one of Stacy's was evergreen design. I'm like, okay, we're, we're definitely very different. Um, and, and we did go back and forth and we started the firm without a name. And, um, and we got our first kind of, slew of projects in the hospitality, um, which was is both of our backgrounds. Um, but we got our first slew of projects from a friend that I'd never worked with. We'd just known each other in the industry. And he called and said, you know, I'm going to go work for this, this company. He was new. I was new. Um, and we had a Spring Hill Suites and um, a couple of uh, our big break was at Spring Hill Suites in Midland. Um, <clears throat> same start in Bakta. We're still friends and do some work for him to this day. But he kind of called and we just kind of asked him if we were to stay within budget, if he'd let us do something custom. So we really started from the very bottom again, um, won some awards for this Spring Hill Suites project um, and then kind of took off from there. 
and I know you didn't ask this question, but I think our, our big break was about a year later when we had the opportunity to do that project in Haiti, which was the best Western um, resort and spa. And I think only a young entrepreneur with nothing to lose would take a best Western in Haiti. <laughs> so we were like, yes. Um, and, and so that was kind of our big break. We were on the cover of a couple of publications and won some awards. And so I feel like that's really when we got put on the map initially. And talk to us a little bit about that project, because I know it was very special to, to you all and to the community and the owner that you were working with. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was interesting because um, there really wasn't anything in Haiti like this. But, you know, when people ask, like, who's going to be staying at a resort in Haiti? You've got dignitaries, you have, you know, the Kardashians had just been there, the Clintons. Um, so you have people going down primarily to do humanitarian or political work. Um, and the, it was a, a group of four brothers that lived in Haiti um, and did very well for themselves. They own the kind of conglomerate of a Home Depot here in the States. Um, one has had lost his wife um, in the earthquake. And, and so, you know, part of the project was to pay tribute to her. Um, and then the beauty of Haiti. <clears throat> and a lot of people portray Haiti as destitute and poor and, you know, almost fourth world. And we saw a lot of that, but we saw a lot of the beauty in Haiti. And so um, our focus and our narrative was really telling the beautiful story of Haiti. And we tried to get as much materials, art, um, and, and, and source as much as we possibly could in Haiti. Um, so we were visiting all the local artisans, the tile makers, um, the photographers, the artists. It was it was pretty incredible. There's a village called Quadu Bouquet um, that we would go down to, and it's an artisan village. And I believe if I'm correct still, it's um, Sean Penn worked to create this village where you could go around to these different huts and visit all these artisans, you know, tiny little, I mean, seven by seven foot um, huts that we could kind of select artwork from. And so um, I have quite a bit of Haitian artwork in my home. And but the entire hotel was recycled oil barrels made into art, recycled tires, recycled t-shirts. Um, it, it, everything was as, as, it's incredible how resourceful they were with something like an oil barrel. Yeah, that's amazing. And what, what were those early, so you, you did the Midland project, you did this project. What were the early days like of Studio 11? Um, <laughs> tell us about like, did you have an office? Were you guys working side okay. by side? <laughs> did, you know, how many people did you have? And when was the part, or not the part, when was the, when did you start to grow and become what Studio 11 is today? Sure. So I think it was, um, we started with myself, Stacy, and then Kimbra Elgin, who put Stacy and I together and basically said, I don't want to own a firm, but um, I want a cool place to work. And so, and, you know, Kimbra was our first designer and still with me um, to this day. So it's really fun still getting, you know, to work with somebody that was there from the very beginning. Um, and we had a local rep, Brian Adcock, who was down the hall. Um, he was in the Meadows building and we weren't quite at the point where we could, you know, have our own office. Um, and so we rented a couple of three desks from Brian. And then we had, you know, we moved from there in 2012 to our tiny shoebox office, tiny, tiny. Um, and it was about a bit after the, the Haiti project. So by 2012, we had four or five designers total, including Stacy and myself. And, um, 
and we were kind of busting at the seams there. And then we just moved up a floor. And since then, we've kind of just creeped down the hall. Um, we haven't quite hit 50 yet, but we're, you know, I'm at 50-ish um, people now. So um, it just the trajectory has been consistent, very constant. We've, we've had every year has been what we call growing pains. So yeah, <laughs> yeah the first time we really tapered off was just before COVID. Um, we kind of... St- we weren't aggressively hiring. And so luckily um, the the November before COVID is when we kind of just stopped aggressively kind of hiring. So we had a little bit of a breather and, and we were lucky that that the timing was right for that. Right. And what do you think has been some of your secrets to success to go from what you started with, you know, only 11 years ago to today? I think a lot of it is, um, you know, we all, there's, we've all worked for each other. And, and I, I think um, we all do a lot of the same things, um, you know, across the board. And I think leaning into and having your competitors become your allies. And I lean into a lot of my friend, I call them competitors, but we work together. Um, there are projects that don't work for me that I, I would give to another design firm and vice versa um, and sharing those things. And then also, it's just, it really comes down to relationships. People want to work with people they like and people they know and people they trust and people they know are going to get the job done. And I think a lot of these guys that um, I work for know that the hustle and know that I'm not going to let them down. Right. And so it, it's a very relationship-based industry, right? No, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, the you have a lot of repeat clients, right? So I think that also mm-hmm. sh- shows up in your work because people come back to you. Yes. Yeah. I think one thing our clients love too is, you know, I met with one before this call that we haven't worked with yet, but one of the things he liked about our portfolio is you don't, you don't open it up and say, Oh, that's studio 11. Um, we, we really like to tell the story and the narrative of the project and the, if it's historical that specific era or the narrative that the client wants to tell it, we aren't walking in creating the same thing with a few changes or aesthetic changes based on the narrative and the project so I'm very proud of that right has there been one project that's been your most challenging or that you learned the most from I know you learned something on every project but was there one that or you could either flip it and do something like you're super proud of that you just opened to. Sure. Well, I'll touch on, I mean, we talked about Haiti. That was a hundred percent logistically the most challenging project ever. Um, I would say the Hutton in Nashville was um, also a challenging project. You know, creating a music venue out of a three-story parking garage was kind of wild. And it became a passion project because it was a very, very tight budget. Um, and so it's really where Louverne, our art company, was um, put to the test. Um, so a lot of uh, every floor had a different art theme, um, custom art for, and I think we, our budget for the art on the corridor level was $130 piece, which don't quote me on that. So I'll never do that again. (laughs) Um, and then I'm really proud, you know, of, I call them our COVID babies, the projects we were able to complete during COVID, um, both of our Thompson's Thompson Buckhead, Thompson Savannah, um, we had a great ownership group and Keith Mack, the project manager, working alongside us as a part of our team, 
um, was amazing. The Senna House project that Curio and Scottsdale were really proud of. Lots of challenges on that project um, that came through with Tyler and his team. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, we had, we had about 13 during COVID that we installed. Almost some of them came on board all at once. So it was definitely a challenging group of projects to complete during COVID. Wait, you had 13 projects during COVID that opened? We had th- yeah, we had 13 projects we were installing during COVID. So um, several, like, that was just three of them. Thompson Buckhead, Thompson Savannah, Santa House were three of them. Everything went on hold. Um, we had a few that kind of, that were, you know, still moving along that kept us alive, thank goodness. Um, but then I think everybody got sick of COVID about the same time. And so they're like, okay, let's go. Everybody, let's let's do this. So on, you know, our skeleton crew and, um, and you know, with some of the brands not even able to travel, people weren't able, owners weren't able to travel. We were really representing a lot of, and, you know, holding up the fort for a lot of people on, on these projects and managed to complete some really beautiful work during COVID. So I'm really proud of that. Yeah. And how did you keep your team motivated through COVID and now, you know, that things are quote unquote getting back to normal. Um, how are you continuing to kind of, how are you continuing <laughs> to motivate and create a company culture with, you know, this new work from home at the office hybrid that we're all um, trying to figure out? Well, I'll start by saying post COVID was actually for me personally, as an owner, much more difficult than COVID. I mean, COVID was challenging. Um, one of the things we did, we did not have to let a single person go. We had 30 something people. We didn't have to let anyone go for financial reasons during COVID. Um, so we got really, really creative. Our marketing group, um, we started pivoting and reaching out to our vendors and owners saying, Hey, your only visibility right now is on social media. Let us run your social media for XYZ. And I feel like we have a pretty strong social media presence. So we're like, we already have your clientele. We already have, you know, all of these things put in place. Let us be you know, help you guys with that. And so that was one of the ways we stayed um, relevant and and alive during COVID. Um, And then started doing some residential work, um, which we still have a few of those projects, but our hearts, um, we all decided are definitely in hospitality. (laughs) So, um, And then post-COVID, oh, and one of the things we did during COVID that I think was instrumental is I brought on a life slash business coach um, during COVID for the team. Um, so you could schedule meetings and talks. And I, I just realized quickly that I was not equipped to handle some of the things that were coming out of the woodwork um, for our team, some of the emotional things that, that were happening. And I think as a whole, I can say as hospitality individuals and designers, we are social people at heart. We love collaborating. That's why we're in the industry that we're in. And so it was extra hard for us um, to kind of be isolated and not able to go to conferences or socialize or even just collaborate and do charrettes in person together. So um, our life coach, she's actually located in Australia, but Mm -hmm. with Zoom, she was incredible. She met with different members of our team and worked through personal issues, professional issues, goals, how to talk to us about things that, you know, they wanted to chat with us on. And then um, she worked with Stacey and myself as well just on how to deal with some of these things that she was hearing. But that was, that was instrumental for us. Yeah. And then post COVID um, anything, it's, it's anything but normal. 
Um, I think we got some of our projects ended up getting siloed. We don't have kind of the, the, what we're trying to, to create again is what we had pre COVID, which is, you know, the teams, the actual teams, um, things were kind of spread out a little bit and we were just in survival mode. And so coming out of survival mode and, and restructuring the firm um, has been my number one goal. I kind of quit my day job and started getting back into projects. We've hired 16 people, um, extremely talented people. We didn't hire a headhunter because we really wanted, I wanted to make sure it was people that, you know, were going to continue to build with us. Um, and then we're really looking outside of just Dallas now. We've got um, interviews set up in Atlanta and DC and a couple of designers in each city and we'll kind of see, but being, I think what COVID did was opened us up to more remote positions and knowing that it can work without being in physically in the Dallas office. So you mentioned that you've been doing restructuring and really kind of diving in um, to the company. What does that restructuring look like? So it's been close to a month since uh, I uh, bought Stacy out of the firm. Um, and her and I've been talking about that for quite some time. Um, and she just recently made a couple of really exciting announcements um, with her next steps in her career. Um, I've been focused on restructuring Studio 11. So we brought in a director of operations, Alana Leon. Um, Alana's kind of taking the role of um, structuring the teams and the day-to-day of the organization. Uh, while I'm, you know, back when we talked about, you know, talk about me being on the bookends of these projects um, and, and continuing to get new business. Um, it, it allows me to be involved on the day-to-day of concepting and design development. Um, and then we've also hired close to 16 people over the course of the last several months, which, um, you know, we can talk about today, but that's been sort of aligning our teams back up post-COVID has been the, the number one goal in this restructuring. Right. And you talked about diversifying, but you also have launched your own, I mean, besides the social media, you've also, you have an art and branding division, you know, you've, you've grown your, your company, not just be design. Can you touch a little bit on that or strict interior design, I should say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have a branding component to the firm. And so when I referred earlier to the social media aspect of kind of studio 11 has always supported brand Bottega, our branding, um, the branding component to our firm. And it's always supported um, Lou Verner the art component. Well, all of a sudden, you know, Josh and our Luverne team and the brand Bottega team were now supporting studio 11 and keeping studio 11 afloat. And so um, it was really cool because it gave both of those companies an opportunity to grow during COVID. Whereas I hadn't had a lot of time to focus on them previously since hotel work wasn't moving forward. um, I could focus on building the branding component to our firm and the art component to our firm. Um, so Louvern, uh, we started 2016 and it was really just for our projects. Um, we brought the art, um, process back in house. We still love working with the third party art vendors, but we brought telling the story and, um, what pieces of that story we're going to tell back in house. So we create our own art packages. Um, and then we work with a third party art vendor to do all the production um, so during COVID, you know, we were, we have now other design firms that Lou Verne, the art company is working with, and that's been really successful and really exciting. Right. Get to expand in other ways. Yes. Um, 
what are is there a project that you're really looking forward to that's going to open up soon that you think is mm. encap- encapsulates you know where you see studio 11 headed yeah we have several that i am like i'm so ecstatic about um and it's hard because you know we have a lot of really cool projects um a lot of renovation work but a lot of that that work that went on hold the new development that went on hold all came back at once and so not necessarily something opening super soon, just timing of things. Um, we have everything now going on the same trajectory to open, you know, a year and a half, two years from now, several projects moving um, there. But um, we have a project in Chicago. It's an unbound and it's, um, it's even more relevant now because it's sort of like Mick Jagger meets the queen. So it's, you know, that classical, traditional English, um, something, you know, design you would see at the palace, but it's those very uh, plush velours and heavy textures, but splatter painted, you know, and you've got that kind of McJagger look and feel and vibe. Um, and so that's going to be a really, really fun project in a cool up and coming neighborhood in Chicago, mm-hmm. right outside of Gold Coast. Um, so that's a fun one. Um, we've got a historical project in Chicago with a lot in Chicago right now, but uh the Talbot Hotel um, is a an autograph, and it's a really fun ownership group out of Canada, and they really allowed us to um, tell a story where we created the story of this woman, and this is her home, and you know the design is really um, based on her world travels, and then um, we reprogrammed. We're working with Evolution right now, but we reprogrammed some of the spaces. They had an old conference room meeting space that was no windows and we brought back a private we're doing a private club so um yeah so i'm really excited about we're doing a lot of membership driven clubs right now you just wrote about thank you you're welcome (laughs) but they're right they're trending just this particular project happens to be in a residential neighborhood um Mm -hmm. and so we just felt it would really bring the community and and make it more part of the hotel and vice versa and activate the hotel component to, I'm sorry, the the lobby and, and bar and food and beverage of the hotel really have the neighborhood be activated there. So as you're coming into your private, you know, your private club, they're getting your table ready. You're going to go have a drink in the lobby bar. Um, so things like that, just kind of having them work together now. Amazing. Is there one part of the process you love the most? Mm. I, I like to consider myself the bookend of the project. I love the beginning. I love programming. Obviously, I could talk about it for days. Um, programming, space planning. I love schematic. Um, I love being a part of that process, kind of up until the end of DD. Um, and then I fall out a bit during kind of specification and um, documentation. Um, you definitely don't want me in that. For, for <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I love, you know, the styling aspect of projects. I love sourcing locally. I love working with a local artist and watching them install their projects and seeing how excited they are to have, you know, being um, being involved in their community projects. And so I love kind of the end of the project as well. And the opening part is obviously um, very rewarding. Right. How would you describe your own style? You know, it's interesting because I, I had to address that when I when I did my own home, I'm very layered. I love like, I'm, I'm not very era specific, but I love layers and I love, you know, anything in my home tells a story. So I don't just go pick a piece of artwork that somebody, you know, picked out. It, it tells the story. It's either a friend's 
art. It's like Andrew Alford. I'm lucky enough to have a beautiful piece of his art in my house um, or something that tells the story of my travels. So um, that's probably why sourcing gets a little dangerous with me because I'll be down in Savannah, like one for the hotel, one for me, (laughs) (laughs) but very layered. Um, And I do have kind of a mid-century vibe going as well. So parts and pieces of that. Yeah. Because you did just renovate uh, your house or you bought a house and renovated it. When did you finish that? It feels like forever ago, but it was fairly recent. I'll say so I did finish it and um, then the whole house flooded. So, <laughs> so the whole house flooded for three straight days while I was on a business trip. So we started over and we finished it again. Um, and any designer can relate to this. It's never finished. My GC asked, you know, not too long. He's like, when is she going to be done? And it's like, never I'm, I'm always coming up with something else that I want to do. And now it's, but now I get to enjoy the home. So the boys and I got to move back in last fall. Um, we were displaced to, you know, we moved in, lived in the house for three months and then it flooded. And so, um, and then just rebuilt almost the exact same thing um, with a few, you know, put some like brass inlays in the floor. I tried to find things that got me excited about the second renovation, but um, we hosted our, office Christmas party at the house. And so that nothing motivates you to finish something more than that. Yeah. Especially with a bunch of designers in your house. Yeah. No pressure. (laughs) Uh, And I always say you learn more from your mistakes than you do your successes. Has there been a lesson learned from a mistake that has stuck with you or, you know, stays with you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could go in like a million different directions with this. I'll, I'll never forget, um, you know, way back in baby designer days, ordering, you know, a couple hundred sofas that didn't realize that they needed to fit up an elevator. So, um, you know, had to cut, cut things and we've had to cut sofas in half. Um, and so anytime the PTSD still hits me with my design team, I'm like, okay, does it fit up the elevator? And then, you know, just a few years ago, it's like it fit up the elevator, but it didn't fit around the corner. So I just <laughs> saw it up again. Um, but then on the business side, a lot of lessons learned. Um, I think COVID was, was again, like I said, post-COVID was the best slash worst time of my entire career. Um, but rewarding in a way that it was humbling and getting to, die, you know, do a deep dive with the team again and be involved in projects to the level that I haven't been involved for a long time. Um, But, you know, making sure we've got the layers of teams. So, you know, you, you're covered and your team is covered. And I think, and owners can relate to this. I think it doesn't spans past just design, but it's like, you're either up all night, like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to manage all these projects? How are we going to take care of this? Or you're up all night. Okay. How am I going to get enough work to, you know, pay all these designers and feed all these families? There's never, you know, it's, a, there's never like a happy medium. You're always kind of worried about one or the other. So oh. that sort of answers your question. It does. It does. And how, you know, mentorship is so important and, you know, you're pulled in 18 different directions, but especially as a woman in this business, how are you mentoring or providing a, creating a culture that allows, you know, your team to ask the questions and grow, which isn't easy <laughs> to do. No, it's not, but it's, it is hugely important. And I feel like it is our responsibility for sure. Um, you know, we had the OGs back in the day that <laughs> we learned from, and there's some that for better or for worse that you've, you know, we learned the hard way or got thrown into something, but you know, I've had so many designers throughout the last 11 years that have left to start their own careers. 
um, and start their own, whether it's design firms, accessory firms, um, um, just one went into residential and I always have a book that I've buy each of them. They're, I'm always here to kind of be a source for them if they need a bookkeeping or whatever advice. Um, I'm always there for them. Um, I do feel it's my responsibility. There's enough room for all of us. So um, I, I love mentoring, actually. I, I get super excited when I hear of somebody starting their own company, whether I know them or not. I'm like, okay, because I've loved building. I've loved building Studio 11 and, and its sister companies. And so I do get very, I nerd out and get very excited when anybody even if it's one of my own that I'm sad to lose, I know they're not going to be with me forever. So I need to support their next, their next steps. It's a really great way to look at it. Which book do you buy them? I love the four hour work week. It's so good. It's good. It's so cliche. And I've been dying for him to come out with another one for a good decade. Um, but it's so great. It's kind of, you know, it, it, it gives you checklists. Like what are your goals? And you have to, and I need to read it again. It's like, what are your, you know, your four business, but also personal goals, which are really important to weave into your, especially as an entrepreneur, your mm -hmm. personal goals, because those can get lost. Um, and, and, you know, it could be like, I want to take, like, you know, I've got two boys that are 12 and 13 now. It's like, I want to take them, you know, I want them to experience this with me or in keeping sight of what your actual the reason you're doing this, making sure you've got some balance, it's important. So he hits on a lot of those things, but he also talks about a lot of resources. And when he says the four hour work week, obviously that's not happening, but you know how to be more efficient throughout your day. Um, and there, there are things that are super simple, but you're, you're like, wow, that's brilliant. So it's a good one. What does work-life balance mean to you? Does that exist? Especially as a working mom of two, two boys? No. <laughs> does not exist. I know for a fact it doesn't exist for you either. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> Just curious if but, you have any advice. <laughs> no, my my boys are growing up in this industry. Um, and Larry Traxler would tell you this is just an example. You know, we almost pulled out Reed's first tooth. Like, I love, I love that the boys are growing up in an industry I'm so passionate about. Um, they know a lot of you guys from the time they were tiny, one and three. And, um, you know, you had the summit last year at Lake Tahoe and they got to come and um, they joined me for installs. Sometimes I put them to work installing a restaurant not too long ago. Um, so it, I think it's, it's really the work-life balance for me, good and bad. I don't have that. They're very fluid with each other. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking to install a project this Friday if, if hurricanes don't get in the way and the boys are going to come with me and we're going to stay for the weekend and enjoy it. So I think we're really lucky that our work can kind of intermingle with our, our personal lives as well. We're in a really cool, sexy, fun industry that that can happen. I, I do struggle with, you know, when I'm on panels or interviews, the hardest question is like, what's your hobby? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like my children in, in Studio 11. So like I get to live my hobby as a career. So it's kind of hard for me. Um, unless you count my 90s rollerblading days, which I don't think count anymore. <laughs> Wait, I need to see an image of that at yeah. some point. I'm going to send one to you. <laughs> but it's also really great for your boys to see a powerful woman in business um, and get raised by, by one. So it's great. That yeah, I hope they see. I hope that's what they see. <laughs> <I hope laughs> they, they do. Sometimes they're kind of, 
they forget I go to work and then, you know, they show up on site or they're working with me and these, it's important that they seek. It does take up a lot of our personal time as a family as well, the three of us. And so it is important that they see why and, and why I'm so passionate about it. And, um, and they are, they, I love it. They're, we did a, like a little place called super chicks just up the street. And of all the cool projects I've done, they're like, my mom did super chicks. Like they're so excited. I did a neighborhood chicken place. So. <laughs> it's fun. It is fun when they, they are excited and proud. It's cute. Uh, looking back over the last 11 years and now, you know, looking forward, you know, a lot has changed obviously in the industry with your firm. What do you think are the biggest challenges the industry is facing today? And at the same time, what are the greatest um, opportunities? Well, I think we, we right now have a shortage of talent, I think. Um, so it's a, it's a little diluted and I'm super excited. There's a lot of new up and coming firms that have started with, but just not enough designers to work. Um, so I'm hoping a lot of them, a lot of these guys went to residential or, went to rep or went into totally different careers, which I think happened like 2008 to 2011 as well. We lost that kind of a whole era of senior designers. Um, so, you know, I think there's, there's a gap there. And, um, and so just filling in those blanks, there's, a, there was a lot of burnout during COVID. So um, a lot of designers that are even doing a little bit of contract work for me, you know, 20 or so hours a week that are looking for a bit of a break from the firms they were working at before. Um, and so just kind of trying to figure out how to, it's, it's not really a balanced industry, to be honest. We are crazy across the board. Yep. Um, we're all pretty passionate. Schedules are really aggressive right now with clients. So we're trying to push back on that a little bit and be realistic um, for both the client and our team. Um, cause everybody's trying to get everything and make up for the time they weren't able to get things done during COVID. So I think lots of challenges there. Yeah, for sure. What would you, what's one piece of advice knowing all this that you would tell your younger, tell your younger self? That list is long, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what would I tell my younger self? I think just take it easy. I think I, I am so passionate. I don't have an off button. I, you know, I too burned out and kind of ran myself into the ground. Um, and I, I'm, I'm kind of full throttle. I don't know. Anybody that knows me is probably going to agree. <laughs> so it, it always looks good on paper. Like my calendar always looks great. Like I can do these six cities in eight days. This is great. And, um, and so just kind of being realistic and, and fitting in some rest time and some time to kind of regroup and like this past weekend after being in four cities in a week, like the boys and I just door dashed and Netflixed and hung out. And so scheduling in and being really um, intentional is my word for this coming year, being really intentional about my time and making sure to, to fit in some, some rest time as well and not feel guilty about it. And right. so, yeah, that's probably what I'd tell my younger self. Yeah. Taking care of yourself as well as your team. Yeah. Yes. Is there one thing that people might not know about you besides obviously your rollerblading career that we missed? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I, I think people are a little bit surprised sometimes that it, like, I'm just kind of a, a bit of a country girl. Like I am, I love camping and I love, 
I'm kind of a tomboy at heart, but I love dressing up and, um, and, you know, being a fancy designer as well. So I don't know that juxtaposition. People are always a little bit surprised. They're like, you camp or you love the outdoors or <laughs> that surprises people. I'm not, I'm not as big a diva as I act, I guess, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know. Uh, I'm a pretty open book, Stace. There's not a whole lot you guys don't know about me. So, um. <laughs> Probably true. All right. Well, I hate to hate to end this conversation, but we always end the podcast with the title of the podcast. Um, so, what has been your greatest greatest lesson or lessons learned along the way? I think just I think finding your way, finding a way to um, to give back and to to make sure. You know, we didn't even touch on philanthropy, but. Um, finding a way as designers to give back to your, not only your community, the communities your projects are in, um, make sure you're giving back and supporting the talent within your organization, making sure they are incentivized personally. Um, I think that's one thing we haven't gotten so big that I don't know what incentivizes my, I mean, I haven't lost what incentivizes my, my talent individually. Um, so I think that would be the one, the one takeaway to make sure you're continuing to find ways to give back, um, both in your organization and supporting your team to give back as well. Yeah. Is that part of what keeps you inspired? A hundred percent. Yeah. We work with, um, a school here in Dallas, um, and we, we try and use, you know, there's a lot of local artists that donate their art and time. Um, so every so often we like to put a piece of their artwork because they get the rights um, to the art. So it's like five to $7,000 that goes back to this self-funded school. Um, we do philanthropy days within the firm. Um, we have little projects here and there. We've, you know, redesigned and kind of um, and designed a little corner in a children's area of a homeless shelter. Um, there's been, you know, some different, schools we've done kind of the, the teacher conference rooms so we try and keep little projects that one are, are building for the team and help us to feel fulfilled it's we're not saving lives over here so finding little ways here and there that we can you know still get back to our community is, is super rewarding yeah for sure well thank you for taking the time to chat with me today always so fun to catch up with you of course um and can't wait to see the next 11 years of studio 11 too thank you so much thanks for listening to hospitality designs what i've learned if you like what you've heard subscribe and review us on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts you can find full episodes and transcripts at hospitalitydesign.com